The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich. We are in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are going to interview today a very special guest, Alex Honnold, who uh, I met once before at the Outdoor Retailer Show and have interviewed him. And he spends half of his life in a Ram, new Ram van. And I know that his background includes spending a, many, many years in a family van. So, no, well, it, was, it, was, it was many years in the Ford Econoline. Oh, Ford Econoline, that's the, right. The, the family van I killed very quickly. Okay. <laughs> so, welcome to our show, Alex. Thanks for joining us. We're appreciative of taking the time. And, and how are you? And the last time I saw you, it was in Utah. So, mm-hmm. you've, uh, you're down in Las Vegas now. How long have you guys been here? Um, I bought a house here in Vegas uh, last year, I guess. So I've, I've been I've owned this home for almost a year, uh, and it's interesting. This is more like a permanent dresser, like a home base, because I've yes. been in the van. I think I've spent more time in the van this last year than I have in the house. It's it's a it's a story that's been told a number of times. But could you reiterate the story of when you first uh, left your your mom's place and took the family Econo line and how long you had? No, so, so I took the family minivan minivan, and then I destroyed it within a year or something. I basically, yes. um, it needed, needed service, yeah. um, which I did not provide. <laughs> okay. And so the family minivan died. And then I actually spent a year or two, um, without a vehicle, just with a tent and a bicycle and, and hitching. That part I didn't know. I didn't remember that. That was when I was early twenties. Yeah. And then, um, in 2007, I bought a Ford Econo line. Okay. And then I lived in that, I think for nine years. Um, yeah, because I bought my current van two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was in the Econo line for nine years. And the Econo line was kind of grim because you can't stand kind up. Grim, and, yeah. You know, I mean, it's pretty yeah. cramped. Was it decked out at all as a camper type unit or was it just a, a well, so work I bought, shell? Yeah, I bought it as an empty shell. Uh-huh. And then um, it went through three iterations in the interior. The first one was done by uh, my uncle and me and it was pretty scrappy. Just, you know, the things that he had laying around his workshop. And then I hired a friend to do a slightly better build out. And then after a couple more years, I hired another friend to do a really nice build out. So for the last three or four years, it was actually like a really nice interior. And and but, you're outfitting it for not only you know overnight stays, but climbing gear and uh, bicycle. Or do you do other sports or what? What do um, you outfit it with? Basically, it was all outfitted for climbing. Um, I had sort of custom shelving in the back so that I could fit skis if I needed to. Because skis are one of those things where no matter how nicely organized your van is, if you don't have the space for it, they're just like sitting on top all sure, they're rattling around. Yeah. yeah. And then same with crash pads, which are for, for climbing, it's sure. for, for bouldering to fall on. But they're also like a big cumbersome item that if you don't have the right size shelving, they just will have to sit on top of your bed, which is super annoying. Sure. Yes. But, so then uh, transition into your your new vehicle, which was luxurious compared to what you were accustomed to I'm, I'm imagining yeah, so so then two years ago i bought a full-size van mm-hmm. dodge dodge ram um pro master and being able to stand up inside is is definitely that's lu- like now you're in luxury luxury yeah, living now it's now it's pretty nice do you sleep in a sling type of thing or are you on no, a no, hard cot like, uh, i'm sleeping on a queen size mattress oh it's like, okay it's pretty pretty deluxe <laughs> yeah yes. or it might be a slightly trimmed down but i mean it's it's basically sure. a queen size bed it's, it's really nice so uh the pro master 
what um, is there a learning curve to driving that? If you but if you're accustomed to driving, it's the same as any other van, or is it new and modern and there's technology in it? Well, and there's so I think for me the the learning curve came with driving the uh, the Econoline for so yes, long. Yes, yes. It's a slightly smaller van. Um, it had no windows, had no anything. So learning to drive with the mirrors and use the yes. little uh, I don't even know what you call it, the little parabolic side mirror things. So yes, your blind spot. Sure. Um, the ProMaster is actually a lot easier to drive because that's backup camera, beeps and stuff. It's, mm -hmm. you know, safer. It also handles way better. Um, just having a car that's, let's see, my other one was a 2000. Basically, it's like you know, 10 or 12 years newer, you know, because yes. I bought the new ProMaster and it, the suspension's way better. Everything, like, handles way better. Yes, yes. Like, you're off-road quite a bit to these climbing venues? Um, not like gnarly, gnarly off-road, but yeah, I mean, a lot of dirt roads and... Dirt and roads, so you're taking it out there, and yeah. it's two-wheel drive? Um, yeah, so the ProMaster is rear-wheel drive, uh -huh. but um, but it has some kind of electronic stability control thing. It kind of, like, grinds into four... It feels like four-wheel drive. It just will, like, crank so, up things. Yeah. But so that that's that actually handles a lot better than the Econoline, which um, I would just have to charge things at high speed and just like bounce over and hope that you know I didn't <laughs> run. So it speed. runs pretty good up in the at least yeah. the, the dirt roads. Yeah, I haven't gotten it stuck yet. Put it that way. Perfect. I got the Econoline stuck several times <laughs> in the snow or in dirt. But. Knowing you uh, for what six months since I interviewed you, you had sponsors in your climbing world. Um, have you done anything with Ram, uh, sponsor-wise? I've never, never spoken to a car sponsor. Though I would actually have mixed feelings about a real automotive sponsorship, just because uh, I, you know, I don't think I really support Dodge Ram. You know, they're right. not exactly a progressive company. They don't no, necessarily no, stand not. for the same values that I do. I see. You know, yeah. I mean, I love living in a in a in the car. I mean, it works well. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I could get behind Tesla. Maybe I could get behind you know, like a Nissan Leaf. Like With there your... are a lot of like progressive cars that I yes, could, that I yes. could feel good about supporting. But you know, despite living in a Ford Econoline for ten years, I would never encourage people to go buy one. <laughs> sure. Okay. Is right. that a it diesel well motor? Me, but... No, that's a gas. A gaser. Okay. I kind of prefer the the gas, but that's just personal. Mm -hmm. but... In this vehicle, um, from your base now in Las Vegas, how have you driven to some f far locations that? Um, so this summer we did a two-month road trip of the whole Northwest. So it was from Wyoming across Idaho to Seattle and then down to Yosemite. And so, I mean, that's, you know, a pretty good tour of the West. Yes. But I haven't gone past Colorado, I guess. On that trip, do you recall how many miles that was? And did you have any breakdowns or anything that you had to issues with? Actually, over the last, you know, 10 years of living in different bands, I, I typically average about 20,000 miles a year. Okay. It's interesting that it's averaged out that way, um, even in the years... When I'm when I'm driving the van a lot, it's just it always kind of works out like that. Yes. And um and yeah, never had any big issues. Do what you, about, do you like ahead. stealth camp uh, in in urban environments or? Yeah. So that's actually one of my favorite things about that van. It's totally unmarked. It has no windows. It doesn't look like a camper van or anything. Um, so it's really easy to stealth camp in in uh, you know hotel parking lots or grocery store parking lots. Basically any kind of twenty four hour parking lot. But um, I do that much more than most climbers or most campers do. You know, I feel totally comfortable just driving into a city and stopping in various places. Perfect, yeah. Going back to last summer when you uh, free soloed El Capitan, was there? A, I know you had crews and everything. Did you have that with you? The, the, yeah, I was, I was living in the van the whole time. You were? Yeah, while I was in Yosemite, I, I was lucky enough to be able to stay on a friend's driveway. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of parked behind his house for the whole season, but I was still yes. living in my van. Okay. So, yeah, I, I try not to use the house at all just because that way you don't overstay your welcome. Right. I mean, the thing is, I've spent a decade 
you know, living out in front of people's houses and, and things like that. And so, you know, Vagrant. I, well, well, yeah, but it's important for me to maintain like a really low profile because if you're going to stay on somebody's driveway for the whole season, you right. don't want to annoy them, you know, like right, you want right. to only be seen, you know, like once a day and just to be like, Hey, they're yeah, like, right. Oh, it's always good to see him. It's always really chill. Right. You, know, right. you don't want to be that guy that's like crashed on the sofa all the time. And they're sure. sort of like, Oh, I wonder when he's going to leave. Traveling all those distances, you've got an objective, you're going to go climbing. Do you guys, do you do any uh, listening to podcasts? Do you guys, uh, I mean, it's a lot of miles to drive. What, how, what kind of a driver are you? Do you sing along with the music? What, are you just in Zen or what, what's, what kind of a... Um, left to my own devices, I typically just rock out. Yeah. Or, or occasionally if it's a really long drive, I switch to just sitting in silence. Okay. Um, but that takes a long time for me to get to the point where I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just like sitting in it. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. it's like meditative. But um, recently I've been listening to podcasts a little bit more. Um, a favorite? You have any favorites? Um, actually, I've been only listening to TED Talks because I'm supposed to give a TED Talk this year. Okay. So I was like, oh no, I gotta learn how to learn how to present a good TED Talk. TED Talks but, are good. Yeah. Did you yeah. put a sound system in there, or is it just the no, basic it's all stock? This is just normal, mm-hmm. basic. What kind of creature comforts do you have? You have a nice bed. It sounds like. But do you yeah, have... my, my bed's quite comfortable. Um, do you have a fridge or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I have a fridge. I have a sink. There's no running water, but you know you can pour stuff. Sure. But there's no shower. You use like a sun shower. No, I don't even use a sun shower. I just use friends' showers or public showers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, just you know, the same as you would camping. You just wait until there's some kind of facility and then take a shower. But, so, from your location here in Las Vegas, if you take, uh, if you drive to Red Rocks or where, where are the other climbing areas that you go that would be local or regional from here? Yeah, so from my home, it's maybe a 15 minute drive to Red Rock, which is sort of the, the obvious thing that people think about in Las Vegas. Yes. But actually the mountains behind Red Rock um, are all limestone and they're big sport climbing areas mm-hmm. and, and the limestone mountains all over. Mm-hmm. So within an hour drive, um, you know, basically half an hour to an hour, mm-hmm. there may be a half dozen other like good, good areas to climb. And then within a two hour drive to the Northeast um, towards Mesquite and St. George, yes. there's a ton of limestone. So, I mean, basically, there's a lot of climbing around Las Vegas. And you mentioned so, earlier that last year, you, if you're estimating, you spent half the year in your, in your van? Yeah, so last year, um, I bought this house. I was here for maybe a month. Yes. And then I went to Yosemite for two months where I was in the van. I went on an expedition to Alaska where I was just living in a tent. Mm-hmm. And then we took the van on a road trip in the Northwest, so we were gone the whole summer. I wound up going back to Yosemite for a bit. Yes. And then I showed up in Las Vegas for maybe a week, and then I went or maybe like two weeks, and then went on expedition to Antarctica where I was gone for another six weeks. So, I mean, I really haven't had that much time in the house. But, you know, but it is really nice to have a home base like this. I, I bet. Now, I remember correctly, you went with your mom uh, for her birthday, you went climbing. Hmm. Was, that in, was that in Yosemite or was it someplace else? Um, for, yeah, she was, was talking about it with me yeah. on the telephone, so I forgot. Yeah. Um, over the years, I've actually done a bunch of different climbs in Yosemite with my mom. Yes. Um, always loosely tied around. She always says it's for her birthday. I just think it's because I'm always there in the fall because that's the time <laughs> in Yosemite. And you make yeah. sure you clean her gutters for her, right? Yeah, you, you exactly. Have to do, you have to do that. Yeah. So um, mechanically about this uh, van that you have now, have you had, do you, are you a mechanic yourself or have, have you had to have any services along the way or... I know, I know nothing about cars or engines. I've, I've never done any yeah, yeah. mechanicing. I mean, I've learned how to troubleshoot, you know, changing tires and things. And sure. And how to, like, tow my car out of ditches. And, um, That's like a good the, skill the to have. Basic, yeah, yeah. yeah, the basic things like that. Does it have a solar panels? Yeah, it has solar on the top, and, and the batteries are hooked up to the alternator. So when so. you're there for a week or something, you're charging. You don't have to worry yeah. about firing the motor to... 
Yeah, well, when it depends where I'm parked. Like, where I normally park in Yosemite is kind of shady. And so, oh, um, if sure. you're there in the fall, you're just not getting enough sun. But um, but it's the solar panels are enough, um, certainly in the summer. It certainly helps. And then, every you know, basically everything recharges every time you go on a long drive. So, right. that helps. Yeah. I've talked to salesmen or people who drive mega miles, and they've seen unusual things. So, in your driving that you've done over the years, have you... Hitchhikers? Have you ever hit anything? Have you had had any unique experiences that are? I feel like I am the unusual hitchhiker. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm you're the, the you're the guy. wacko. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought that yeah. about you, but I mean, I've, I've I've had that a fair number of times in parks and stuff. You know, when you do some kind of big climb, you yeah. wind up somewhere and you just wind up at some road. You're like, hey, I need to get back to you know. Right, right. But it's always Euro tourists that pick you up. It's like a random Italian couple that's like, oh, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. bonjour, bonjour, yeah, yeah, exactly. But nothing out of the ordinary. Did you have have you had any accidents or anything like that, or no. have you ever hit an animal because <laughs> you're in some remote places? No, I've, I maybe clipped a deer once. I actually wasn't totally sure. Yeah, like barely touched it. But um, and then not not that much. I had a couple near misses in in my old Conaline driving mm-hmm. in the Central Valley in California mm-hmm. in a really really thick fog. Oh yeah, so, um, that's like I mean you know around Sacramento it's like yeah. thick tule fog like pretty full on. But um, thankfully I've never hit anything. Yeah, never had an accident. Just, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, Thule fog. I, I think the, the, the theory is now that there's come through Davis, the Thule fog is gone because of all the buildings, right? It used to just be so flat that you have to just... Well, you know, when there's no dirt and, and right. foliage around, it doesn't make fog as much, I guess. That's right. Huh. So I know. It's like, as I remember, when yeah. I was younger, it was more of a thing. More. Really, I used to you know, find somebody's taillights and hope for the best. Yeah, you know? yeah. I used to go to the Bay Area at night and come back all the time. I said, oh, my God. You know, once you got yeah, to Vacaville like Davis, on. it was crazy. But you don't yeah. see it anymore. More about your van again, the build-out. Was this one professional, or did you, is this one your own conceptualized in your mind and had it built? The current build of my van is not professional, but a friend of mine, he's like a really good craftsman, and he's built a couple vans out for himself. Um, he did it for me, and, and uh, you know, I, like, hired him to do it. So I, I just left him an empty van, and he and I just told him make it nice, you know, because I knew what he had done for his van, and then that's oh, okay. that's what he did. Yeah. But, well, to share with a little bit of just away from um, the automotive part of this, I know you don't you like to keep certain things private of what you're up to, but can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life? I know you have. The, how about the movie? Is that going to be in June or July, or is it uh, still? So the, it'll be next summer, or no? I think they're aiming more for October now. Of of eighteen. Yeah, of eighteen. Uh huh. Um, for a big theatrical film release. Yeah. But, um, I mean, in terms of my personal climbing, I mean, I just came home from this expedition in Antarctica. Yeah. So um, I'm basically just learning how to climb again. That always takes, like, a pretty big hit um, in terms of fitness. Cause yes. It's, it's, like, six weeks of not actually climbing. Yes. And for me, it was a little bit bigger of a hit because for the month before going to Antarctica, I was too depressed to train or anything because it felt like kind of a looming, like, oh, my God, I'm going to Antarctica. It's going to be so cold and so miserable. So I started eating, like like a lot you know yeah, like yeah. woke up a little bit right and then in Antarctica I was eating anything and then I came home with like the eating habits of a little fat boy you know and then like really weak fingers and so now I'm like sort of crafting myself back into shape yeah you know? but, sure. but so I'm actually planning on staying here in Las Vegas for several months to have you know some stability and get fit again and all that okay and we'll see anything that uh, any big challenges out there in terms of maybe Keep that one to yourself, probably. No, I mean, um, I'll go to Yosemite this season, probably. Yes. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, broke my, my speed record on the nose on, on El Cap last oh, year. Oh, yeah? In, in the fall, and so um, I'd like to take it back in the spring, but we'll see. Okay. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on, you know, how I feel. And 
Okay. Is that how things are going? So well, you didn't beat it by much. It's a, it's a doable goal. Uh, you broke it by a couple minutes. It, it, yeah, it, it was pretty good, but yeah. um, but the thing is, the speed record that I had, um, I set with a partner who uh, I felt like we could have gone a lot faster had had we at the time we broke the speed record by um, I think eleven minutes when we did it, or maybe nine minutes or something. It was like a very healthy margin, uh-huh. and so we were just like, okay, great success, we're done. But I felt like it still could have gone a lot faster. You know, it's all pretty straightforward. This is my whole kitchen set up. You know, I've got food and stuff organized in the cabinets on top. Yes. Um, you know, just like nice slide of drawers with, you know, kitchen accessories. Sure, and sure. Um, the fridge works, but is empty right now since we're at the house. Yes. Except for the TO. Um, you know, big slider drawer for snacks and, and bars and things like that. Good, gotcha. Um, you know, I've got like trash under here. All the electrical, the battery and everything is all under there uh-huh um i'm sponsored by goal zero yes so um they provide the solar panels and then they provide this well you know they provide batteries i need but then there's some um like deep cycle marine batteries behind it or something to sort of run the fridge mm-hmm. but but that's what i charge all my things off of and you, you got know. a three burner stove that's impressive how often do you cook or ever uh no i well when i'm in the van i cook dinner every night i mean you know I actually cook, I tend to cook more when I'm in the van than I do when I'm at the house because at the house, uh, I can just walk across the street and there are like nine different ethnic restaurants. Yes. You're like, oh, let's have Thai tonight. And like, let's have okay. whatever. Yeah. But in the van, it's, you're camping, so I just cook all the time. There's a hangboard above your head, which is actually one of the key things for me. Okay. This is um, so that you can train in the van. Uh, you see, it's all just like different grips. Like, you can, you know, hang out different things to train your fingers. Oh, good. I, one thing I didn't ask about is, is the, the engine. What kind of a, what kind of engine does it? What kind of power does it? I don't know. I think it's a V6. V6. Yeah, That's about as much engine. as you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's pretty. You know, it's it's definitely more powerful and handles better than than the Econoline. Yes. But. But that's just, it's a newer car. It's Has the Econoline gone to the Econoline graveyard? Or? No, the Econoline got sold to my cousin. Oh, who, okay. uh, graduated college and is now living as a dirtbag, you know, climbing <laughs> and, and slacklining and just sort of doing his thing. Okay. But um, the Econoline was just starting to have a few problems, like I burned through the catalytic converter or something, mm-hmm. and then I was having issues and it wouldn't smog in California. And uh, But it still was a really nice build-out and it still worked fine. Mm-hmm. And so I just sold it to him for pretty cheap and just, you know, I was like, you can deal with this see, and see how it goes. Right. I don't really know what he's doing, but... Okay. I was going to ask also, uh, away from this, just one more time. Since the El Capitan climb, you you had been interviewed before that, uh, but after that, were you surprised at the notoriety and and the things that came along with with that? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, um, yeah. There, I mean, every public event I've done since El Cap has been sort of a different level than I expected. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the couple months right afterward. Um, yes. Like, I didn't really think that, that climbing El Cap would would change things that much because I'd already done a lot of high-profile media. Yes. And, you know, I didn't think it would make that big a difference. But yes. it, it seems to have actually, you know, changed things a bit. Yes. And uh, it makes me think that when the movie comes out, it'll be a different level again. But we'll see. Yeah, people, I remember. People relate to... That big granite slab, I guess they know it. You know, it's a, it's a real. Yeah, but I'd already climbed Half Dome, which in some ways is more iconic. True, know? true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just didn't think it would be like that big of a, a change. You know, because I'd already been living as a professional climber for a decade, and I'd already done a lot sure. of things. And um, but then I was like, oh, that really doesn't. For the whatever next step. reason. Yeah, for that, whatever that's reason. That's the rock, huh? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I knew that, like, within the climbing community, it'd be important. I mean, just because it's such an iconic... Right. You know, I mean, for the same reason that I was drawn to it for my whole life. It's like, this is the thing to do. I mean, climbers are definitely drawn to El Cap. Yes. But I was surprised, you know, how much it, it also resonated with non-climbers. Or, sure. I do remember um, watching you when you were doing the signing... And you had already done a signing before that, and mm-hmm. it was each one was for an hour, but you stayed at that one for maybe two hours, and you stayed two hours over here. Mm-hmm. And your comment was at the time that if people are in line, I'd I'd probably stay all day. So you were very very accommodating to that. Yeah, I, I try to. Yeah. I mean, I never want to be the guy that just walks away when people have been waiting for an no, hour. No, no, like that just seems douchey. Right, and how how are you very comfortable? I notice you're giving more corporate speeches. Now? Yeah, I've been doing a little bit more uh, corporate speaking, um, just. Yeah, just a variety of, of of things. I don't know. I think I'm speaking to a sports psychologist at UCLA or something, some kind of like panel sort of discussion in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, it's like interesting one-off things like that. Like I spoke to a venture capital firm in their, in their collection. It was their yearly uh, meeting of all the CEOs. Yes. So basically it was 40 CEOs plus the people that finance them. So wow. it was like 50 really smart people in, yeah. in, in Silicon Valley. Do you have to put on real clothes? Uh, you know, I did my best. Okay. I was I wasn't that classy, but I mean, it's all tech CEOs. They're not that classy either. But um, but I mean, I, that's kind of the fun thing about the speaking is that it's always like a totally different scenario. So right. Like, Are you self-taught in that area? Did you go to somebody to help you, dick, you know, slow your speech or do this, or are you just comfortable with it from the get-go? Because uh, you were a pretty shy guy when you were young, as I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I mean, if I self-taught, you mean just gaining experience over time. Yes. Experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I've had no teaching, and I think I could actually stand to, to improve quite a bit. But, you know, I, mean, I think the story and the images work well for, for groups. So even if I'm not the best speaker, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a compelling story, and, and it looks sure. cool, and people are interested, and so yeah. Yeah, it works okay. But, um, um, here, you want to see the back of this? Yeah, there's sure. More, sure. Uh, there's more well, organizational beauty in the back. Please, we'll follow you. So what's happening back here? Well, so normally I'd have uh, crash pads or, like, more things sitting on top, maybe ropes, whatever, but since we're at the house, the yes. not totally packed. But so, our ski equipment's all in here, on the side, and then I have a big roll of drawers that hold a bunch of climbing equipment. Um, this is mostly shoes right now. Mm-hmm. Well, this drawer is kind of always mostly shoes. Mm-hmm. And then this is all climbing hardware. Yes. And it's just, you know, just keep everything A lot. <laughs> yeah, actually, this isn't that much. I mean... You know, I'm sure a professional tennis player has a million rackets lying around. Sort of, you know, sure. Like all the tools of the trade. They always come to the court with like 15, and I always wonder yeah. why they why they need. Well, no, the, well, that's like that's why I have 15 pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they all do slightly different things. They're all shaped slightly different ways, and yeah, um, depending on what you're climbing, you just need need the right tool. Right. I mean, for them though, I mean, you you you're self-contained. They have all kinds of trainers and people helping them. Yeah. They still bring 15 rackets. I don't know, always cracks me up. You know, these ski boots. This is what I went to Antarctica with. Oh, this yeah. This is what happens when you rock climb in your ski boots. Wow. Look how, like, dirty these things are. Oh, they my gosh. It's hard climbing, these things. Are they unclipped when you're climbing in them? Uh, I mean, well, so these, are, these are uh, touring boots, you know, so they, the heel. Sure, you can, but still. You can walk in them. No, that's about it. That's, so uh, you'll have them clamped up tight. Not, like, tight, tight, but, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I did a couple things in these. Um, just because they were warmer and more comfortable, and if the climbing was easy enough, I was like, whatever, I'll just do it in my ski boots. Gotcha. But, yeah, they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty destroyed, though. And they're pretty destroyed, yeah. Well, we want to uh, thank Alex Hunold for being our guest on the Weekly Driver podcast. Alex, thank you very much for showing us your home and your 
fan, and it's been really nice chatting with you again. Oh, it's my, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. The Weekly Driver Podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.